Welcome to episode 381 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature our resident historian, fiddle player, educator, and now chicken coop building, Surf William. The Surf and I discuss his endeavor building a chicken coop and what he learned from it. We have a fun name association game that we play. We discuss fascist thugs and supporting the police, kayaking, and the notion of rugged individualism, among other things. We have an EWSA titled Yelp, and I share something called Worst Responders from a complaint against Fresno County Police in California, as shared in the August 2020 edition of Harper's Magazine. And we have a poem called Need More. We also, as is always the case, will be infusing all of this with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 381 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Oh, 
kerplunkness. Lazy attributes and incessant 21-gun salutes render this psyche restless. Wayward county politicians, corrupt, convicted, and looking for forgiveness and redemption so they can receive a state pension, leaves me breathless. It is amazing how one could be so feckless. Gray clouds over dark green mountains, blinking white lights on high steel towers, rabbits running wild, getting soaked by the warm summer thunder showers. As I strain in vain to dance inside the cleanse of rain as myself, I have forgotten the ways to access Walt Whitman's unfettered yelp, but slowly, perhaps yet surely, it is coming back to me, as my spirit's seismic meter reading will surely attest. The unrest is a symptom of freedom-seeking duress, as it manifests the errant ways of my people, going on for generations. Despite civil set rules, the masses refuse to abide and will not support just attempts of healing recriminations. And the educated class is forced back to the land to build chicken coops and worship skeptical posts and evangelical kooks on lightweight televisions that fit neatly inside their khaki cargo pants pockets. Another testimonial gasp of reason and hope, filling the folder stacked at the middle of a pile, teetering toward redundant, gathering the dust of history, waiting presumptuous, as another prevailing cause and cure too long endured on an overgrown docket. And the files meld together, as they fall of their own volition, making a wonderful sound we can perhaps build on its echoing vibration of life-affirming kerplunkness. Sometime I'm in the mood I want to leave my lonesome home Sometime
Hello, Sir Fulham. Is that you? This is me, EW. I know I'm calling you. It's a little unusual. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why you're calling me. I, I thought we <laughs> we had uh, my people talk to you know you about that. Uh, no more contact. Your lawyer said no more contact. Only if we initiate it. Yes. Are we going? Are we? Is this it? Is this the, the interview, or do you want to call it. me back? No. Well, um, uh, this could be it. I guess. Do you have your clothes on? Do, do I ever? <laughs> uh, no. That's why we 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 don't show the cam. We we block the the video image on my end and your end. So you block the video image because you would be enthralled by my by my beauty and you would be distracted. <laughs> yes, but don't tell right. anyone. I won't say anything. This no one will ever hear that. No, no, nope. Surf William, ladies and gentlemen, in true form. He probably just got up in his birthday suit, brewing some coffee, and uh, we have the pleasure of talking with him once again here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. I hear birds in the background. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, him. If you haven't tuned in, if you're a new listener, he is a chicken coop builder, uh, <laughs> a fiddle player. <laughs> An educator, and of course, our resident historian. So, um, how's the chicken coop? You know, why why did you and your wife, Alex, build a chicken coop? Are you concerned about the pandemic getting worse or something to that effect? Uh, right, the the pandemic has has forced us all to do crazy things. Well, Alex used to live on a farm, and she had emus and chickens and everything, and. Um, uh, we live in a little wooded area and we have a little built, like there was a part of the, uh, of the, of the yard of the property that was already fenced in. It looked like a dog run. Maybe they, they used to kennel their dogs in there or something. But anyway, it's like perfectly suited for a little chicken run. And she said, I want chickens. And I said, okay, uh, we can do that. And she said, you have to build a chicken coop. Well, I never built a chicken coop before. So I, I, we went online and we found a farmer up in Maine who built a pretty simple chicken coop and he posted the plans online and, and he did, you know, sort of step-by-step pictures and everything. You know, again, the wonders of the internet, I've been able to do so many things so easily because of the internet in my life. And I mean, I mean everything from home renovations to learning fiddle tunes, it's all there. You know, if you're even a little bit of an autodidact, you can go online and you can find this stuff. So long story short, we, we found the plans. I looked them over. I, I've done a little bit of handiwork, but I've never built anything like that before. And um, I looked at the plans and I thought, this is really not that complicated. So we started at the beginning of July and we finished it a few days ago. So it was our July project. And um, yeah, it was a really fulfilling endeavor. I worked a lot with my stepsons on the project. And so that was a nice opportunity for us to spend some time together. And they learned a lot. And I learned a lot. And, um, you know, the whole thing was just a really positive experience. And now we have a chicken coop and we have a bucket of six little little peeps waiting to move in. Um, and we're going to see how it goes. So we, we built the chicken coop for a lot of reasons, I think. You know, for our sanity, for fun, for togetherness, uh, for eggs. I could go on and on probably. That's great. That's great. Uh, and, and this is uh, somewhere in the forest of New Jersey. No, no, the forest of Bucks County. Bucks County, ah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't keep track of where the heck you are. 
I was um I was the peripatetic sort of um, substitute school teacher for many many years, as you remember, and I was basically couch surfing for quite a number of years. And you know, I was fortunate because I ended up in a pretty comfortable situation here with a great wife and uh, a wonderful home. And uh, you know, I was always ha- we could get philosophical here and we can talk about um, you know finding your happiness wherever you are. But uh, I was happy. I was happy even when I was couch surfing. I, I determined that my life was pretty good and I was pretty happy with it. Um, but you know, there were a lot of challenges, and 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 you know, we can talk about the pandemic now and the challenges that people are facing. Um, I can appreciate what it feels like to not have a job, to not know where your money's coming from, to not know if you can pay your rent, to not know if you can put food on your table, and to look at a future that is less than certain. Um, so I have a lot of, of compassion and understanding right now for people who are suffering during this thing. You know, I'm not really suffering right now personally. And as you and I often discuss, that's that contradiction that is challenging. You know, like my life is comfortable, but so many around me are in pain. And how do I reconcile that? So, you know, that that sort of mentality sort of fuels me every day to get up and, and, and really, you know, make the best out of this crappy situation. Yeah, and that's well put. You know, I think sometimes when we uh, hear and witness some of our fellow citizens who are more cynical uh, and who don't really want to hear other people uh, make statements about uh, the injustice in society because they themselves, those folks who are, are cynical and don't want to hear it, are not doing that well. You know, in the in the blue collar working class segments of our society, they 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 feel you know I'm I'm struggling too, and what you know I, I'm not complaining because they have a different mentality about how to handle it, uh, and and that there's a disconnect there's a disconnect there because you know we're all in the, in a similar situation when you and I step back and look at the system the system isn't designed for most of us to do very well uh, in my opinion it's to keep us in check and give us just enough uh and as of late the last couple of decades it's getting worse and worse even to be able to do that uh, well you you make a good point here you talk about the system being designed to give us just enough so yeah. in other words i i assume what you're saying is to just keep us placid and sort of docile and and, yeah, and and not, and 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 sort of discourage us from 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 protesting in the streets. Yeah, right. Oh, right. Sure. Well, okay. Sure. So now we're protesting in the streets. So so you know, let's segue into into what's going on in our world right now. These these protests in the streets are are uh, waged by a diverse group of people with legitimate grievances. Any reasonable person would acknowledge that their grievances are reasonable. So the government can respond in one of two ways. It could say, we have a populace that's got legitimate grievances. Let's see if we can address those problems. Let's get these people out of the street. Let's get these people back into their homes or back to wherever. But let's get them out of the street. Let's stop these protests. How do we do that? We talk to them and we say, what are your grievances? Let's talk about some possible solutions. What's doable? What's not doable? The other response to that, as we're seeing now, is shut the hell up, get back in your house. We will send in, you know, fascist thugs and riot police to crack your skulls. We don't care if you're a suburban mom or a Black Lives Matter uh, 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 advocate. Uh, if you're a, 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 a black youth, if you're a white middle-aged woman, you know, we're going we're gonna to respond to your legitimate grievances with, with almost comic book force. 
And and the reality is that these grievances can simply be addressed. Here's what we can do to alleviate some of these problems, but we do not have that kind of leadership right now in this country. No. No, we don't. And, you know, it goes, I'm, I've been driving around as of late, and you'll, you know, in certain parts of, uh, well, not so much where I live, I, I, I have to say, uh, you know, but certain parts of the country, certain parts of the state, uh, Pennsylvania I live in, you'll see signs that say Black Lives Matter and, you know, justice, we, you know, a justice sort of um, uh, seeking and, and supportive messages uh, for justice for all. And then all of a sudden you see, to, I think, counteract those messages in a subtle way, uh, signs that uh, trumpet the support for the local police department we support mm-hmm. we support you know such and such police and i have to say it bothers me uh first of all you shouldn't have to put a sign and even i think municipalities should tell their citizens to not put signs up in their yard saying we support the police because you know what we do support the police we, we pay taxes so that they can have everything they need to do their job to keep the peace and and we train them, uh, maybe not as good as we should, but we support and pay for their training so that they could do their job and protect uh, the uh, the citizens and uh, keep the peace. But to now start saying it's okay to put signs in your front yard and to say yard to say we support the police. That's when you start talking about a fascist state. That's when you start talking about a militaristic mentality to a certain extent. Uh, and it, it, what I'm saying right now. It goes back to a few minutes ago what I was saying. People will hear what I'm saying and say, you're no good. You're a troublemaker. You don't bow down to the authorities as much as you should. And that, to me, is not, a, not the United States of America, that mentality. Well, I think what you're talking about are, it seems that you're addressing a lot of the symptoms of the problem. Um, and, and, and not, in my opinion... Um, those all those things are legitimate. Everything you just outlined, they to me are a reflection of a deficiency. And the deficiency, in my opinion, is that in this culture, we don't teach philosophy. In this culture, we don't teach ideology. We don't teach dogma. We don't teach political thought. Um, and the problem is when you don't clearly define your belief system and your goals and your objectives, you open up a Pandora's box of confusion. So what I mean by that is you talk about the police and some people say black lives matter and other people say blue lives matter or, you know, we support our police. Well, let's, I say, let's stop. Let's get together as a community, a local community. And let's talk about, let's talk about what the police do, what the definition what the definition of the police is, what we want them to do. Let's give them a job description. And once we clearly define them, we're all in agreement as to what the police, what their job is in our community, that would make it so much easier to determine how much funding they should get, what kind of equipment they should get, what kind of training they should get. We, de- we haven't done that. What's happened in this society is you have, and if you really think back and you really get historical, you've got a lot of local police forces that were once upon a time, a long time ago, 150, 175, 200 years ago, a lot of police forces were formed to sort of keep the peace to, um, for example, in the South, they, their job was to 
um, check the papers of African-Americans walking around. You're clearly a slave. Do you have permission from your master to be in town? Let me see your papers. Um, if you don't, we are going to arrest you, beat you, drag you back to your master, and he can do with you what you will. So you've got these vestiges of inequality and slavery and injustice, and they slowly over time morphed into what became, in a lot of areas, local police departments. So we never, ever stopped and said, okay, slavery is abolished. Let's look at our local police forces, and let's determine as a community what we want them to do. I think now with the Black Lives Matter movement, and hopefully it doesn't lose steam, I think now we're starting in some places to have those very basic discussions, which we never had before. Namely, what do we want our police force to look like? What do we want it to do? How much power do we want it to have? Um, what should its main tasks be? I think that's the first step to us coming to some, um, coming to some uh, uh, agreement on what the police do. And I think if we had that, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see we support our local police department. It would be superfluous. It would be silly. But as it stands now, we, we don't even have agreement on what the police should be doing. So until we have an agreement on what the police should be doing and what their job should be, we're going to have this conflict that you see in, in manifested in yard signs, for example, as one example. Well, yeah, I mean, they become a symbol, just like wearing a, uh, a, a mask on your face or not is a political symbol, mm -hmm. you know, or an ideological symbol. But as you uh, said, I think very accurately, we're, we, don't, uh, we don't know how to be deeply phil philosophical. We don't understand our history enough to... Uh, we don't do that. We no, don't do that that's why we're like seventh graders. No offense to seventh graders. But that's why, as adults, we, we are very uh, sort of stunted and limited in, in our ability to understand why things are the way they are, what the options are, what we truly uh, say, you know, uh, we want as a, as a citizenry of, of the United States. We're stunted, and it's a shame. And, you know, you remind me, uh, and we can't go, we can't go further uh, if we don't uh, turn that around, I, I also want to add. But you, you remind me when you're talking about the police doing the dirty work of of a lot of uh, uh, thugs and the greedy uh, individuals, to say the least. When you go back to the place that we're, we're from, uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, the coal mining industry, uh, you know, uh, police, uh, or I guess some remnant of, of uh, that idea, were used to, to strike down, literally, and oftentimes maim and kill workers who wanted to just stand up for basic uh, rights like you know not being worked to death in the in the coal mines and to be paid a decent wage and to have good you know health care when something happens to them things of that nature the, the you know the 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 government would use these deputized individuals with guns or what have you to 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 beat and to dis, disperse and sometimes shoot those those uh, protesters. Not only the government, those, a lot of those police forces were privately funded. The, 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 the mining companies formed those, 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 there was both. those enforcement agencies. Right. And so, and so what that meant was. And they would intermingle. You, they would inter intermingle. The, the, absolutely. the public uh, and the private right, so, forces. So you make a good point. Again, I, I left that out of my description. A lot of local police forces, once upon a time, were those public-private um, partnerships between coal mining companies and local jurisdictions, local politicians to keep the workers in line. That was their job. Right. Right. Union busting, head busting, 
keep the workers in line. That was their job slowly over time. And again, I don't know the history of law enforcement in America. I'm not going to pretend to go down that road and, and, and pretend I'm an expert. But I know for a fact that a lot of local police forces many years ago were funded by companies that simply wanted to keep their workers in check through, through fear and intimidation and violence. Well, how much has that changed? Right. Right. Well, how much could it change? Right. That's what they evolved from. And nobody ever stopped at any point in our history and said, let's stop for a moment here. Let's let's reimagine policing in America. Let's acknowledge the history of policing in America and the oppressive nature of it. And let's reimagine it and let's refashion it in a way that's more conducive to our ideals and our values. We haven't done that because this culture doesn't encourage philosophical, ideological thought. That's how you can have People on the right, I remember in the 2016 election, there was a meme on Facebook, and it was Hillary Clinton with a swastika. So that's how confused people can be because the right, one of their techniques was to call liberals fascists, right? Now, all I say to people is if you're confused about who's a fascist and who's not, um, just look at who the fascists are voting for, right? The Nazis and the KKK and the white supremacists, they're all voting for Trump. They're not voting for Hillary. So it's fair to assume that she's probably not the fascist in this election. Probably the other person is. Just look at who the fascists are voting for. Right, um, it's right. not that complicated. No, they. well, that's when the right tries to uh, manipulate the whole idea of what fascism is. When you know she's trying to tell you or the Democrats are trying to tell you how you should live your life. Right, by right. by being by doing things that are more fair minded and doing things that are more just and getting health care to everybody, uh, yeah. you know, not discriminating against people based on race or or uh, sexual orientation. That's they're being fascist, making you live like that. That's right. That's the, and that happens. You know, yeah. when you have confused political thought, when you have confused ideology. It's very easy to do things like that. It's very easy to manipulate people like that. Um, again, if we had a more sound philosophical, ideological, political education in this country, um, people would not be so easily duped. But we don't really, we don't really encourage that sort of thought in this country. We really don't encourage people to be politically no. active. No. No, and, and you know, you all, we always go here, and I'm going to go there again. I always bring it here, it seems, when we have this sort of conversation. You know, I, I saw uh, an article recently that mentioned um, uh, a, a vast majority of white evangelicals and of white uh, Roman Catholics support mm-hmm. the right, support Donald Trump and the right. Mm-hmm. Religion, I believe, also has a lot to do with this. Religion and the way that it has been... Uh, created, morphed, uh, shared with the masses, sends out messages that it's okay in the eyes of this higher, the supreme power uh, to, to, to act in, 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 in the, those ways. To, mm-hmm. to, you know, and, and uh, that just gives people a peace of mind because they believe that you know, their ultimate um, judge and the representation of what is good supports the these notions of injustice uh, i don't know that you and i are ever really going to fully understand the thinking on the other on the other side of the political spectrum i think i'm trying i'm really trying and what i've with the conclusions i've come to one of them is 
that the other side really defines themselves in terms of their grievances. So they're, they really feel that they have a lot to complain about, that there's a lot wrong, and that their grievances aren't being met. And then along comes Trump, and he speaks to all of their prejudices and their fears and their, and their um, anger. And he addresses that Trump has a real gift for tapping right into that visceral thing that these people on the right respond to. And um, I don't know that people like you and I will ever fully understand the thinking of someone who defines their whole existence, political or otherwise, in terms of all of their grievances. They see, they see injustice. You know, I'm talking about middle class white people. I'm talking about people who in the history of the world are more comfortable than, than you know, four-fifths of the entire population of the world throughout history, and they still determine their lives in terms of, of, of all of the injustices that are being done to them, right? I have to wear a mask. I can't buy as many assault weapons as I want to. Like, what is this? this that, that's not right. I'm being, my rights are being violated. I mean, that's how they see their that's how they see their existence. I don't know that we'll ever fully, fully understand it. No, no, but I, I think a large, a large part of it has to do with this very shallow, uh, immature uh, myth about what it means to be an American. You know, that rugged individualist. Yeah, my, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. my, my. That's you're not a rugged individualist. You go to Walmart to buy all your goods up the road. You don't haggle with anybody. You don't, you know, you just walk in like a, like a, a drone and and follow down the 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 aisles and put the stuff in your cart and walk out. It's just ridiculous. You're a rugged individualist. <laughs> I, 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 you gotta I like, be kidding me. <laughs> I like when you play devil's advocate on your show, and I listen to your show a lot. Um, I like when you do that because it forces those of us. Let's say those of us on the left, I think we're, the, we're those people on the left. It forces us to really think about our beliefs and our ideas and to articulate them and to uh, uh, basically delineate our thinking. And I think that's a really that's a really uh, uh, healthy endeavor. Um, I'm not and, doing you know, that now, though. I'm not playing. No, you're here. not doing that now. No, no, no. We're on the we're clearly on the same side here. Um, yeah. Uh, again. You talk about this myth of America and this rugged individualism. That's awesome, and that is part of the American mythos, and and no one can deny that. Um, what I say is, in 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 addition to that thinking, one should also be educated uh, about the ideals and the values that this country was founded on. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, read the Constitution, read the Declaration of Independence. Um, are we embracing, are we attempting to achieve those ideals? Of course we fall short. We're, we're only human. But as long as we all agree on the ideals and the values that we should be striving for, I feel like we could start to have some sort of coherent policy. But we don't agree on those ideals and values. Um, and we're not educated in those ideals and values. So, um, you know, that consensus is really hard to build. Well, because there's a real dividing line now between between the right and the left. And, I mean, you also have to – we've been talking about this as of late, uh, the last couple of months, pretty extensively um, in our country. You know, you look at the contradictions, too, uh, going back to the beginning of, of, this, of this country with uh, – the 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 um, founding fathers uh, espousing those beautiful ideals that you just mentioned, and at the same time, you know, they own slaves. Sure. Uh, 
you know, not all of them, uh, but uh, most of them. Uh, there were several abolitionists. Uh, so there's there's that going on too. You look at Yale University, right? We we talk about what a wonderful institution of higher learning and thinking it is. You know, the slave trader, the guy who that's named after is a, was a slave trader. Yeah, right, exactly, you know? exactly. And it goes on and on and on. <laughs> of course. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, the great John Lewis was was uh, brought his uh, his body was brought across the the Pettus Bridge uh, for for the last time. That bridge is named after a ruthless, you know, uh, leader of the KKK. A thug. A, a thug. A thug. A thug. Yeah. So uh, our country is steeped in all kinds of contradictions uh, in the context of these wonderful ideals that uh, even those who came up and and founded it uh, uh, on were also not true to them to a great extent. So, yeah, it's an odd situation we're in. And we, we do have to recognize that we are only human, as you put it. But we can't pretend and act like seventh seventh graders yet again. Uh, I, I reference seventh graders uh, when it, when dealing with these complexities because we'll never get anywhere good if that's right. the approach. Right. Uh, and you know, if you truly want to be a rugged individualist, you're going to take responsibility for your 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 history and for where you know what you're going to do from this point on. And right. Are you being attacked? No, I'm just going away. There's a lot of activity in my house today. I'm just going to a quiet place. Okay. Now, I, now okay, having said that, I want to play a name association game with you. And you don't know about this, so I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to throw a name out. I want you to, you know, with first thing that comes to your mind, all right? Try not to be vulgar. Here we okay. go. You ready? You ready? Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. William Barr. Uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, shameful. Tom Cotton. Ignorant. AOC. Um, um, ch- change. Positive change. Betsy DeVos. Oh. Um, ignorant privilege. Can I use two words? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. John Lewis. Oh, d- 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 courageous fighter. Kamala Harris. Um... Kamala Harris again, um, agent agent of change, um, 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 b- brave brave warrior. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Um, uh, bland reconciler. <laughs> I think he's going to put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I think. I mean, I'm not going to trash Biden. I'm really not. But but if we're being realistic, you know, Biden doesn't excite me. But I don't want excitement. But anyway, I, I don't mean to interrupt your... your no, that your, was it. I was going to stop at Joe Biden. Yeah, um, Biden. Biden's not exciting, and I admit it. Biden's not exciting at all. But what we really re- need right now is a sort of comforting, reassuring grandpa. I mean, that's... I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have a black woman president. That would be awesome. I, I, you know, um, but if she's like a good person, not just because she's uh, black and a woman, right? No, no. I well, I, I just, I just believe that it's. Look, let's be really over simplistic here. Men have had their shot. Like that's how I feel about it. Like just put women, women. In, I'm not saying women can't be jerks. Of course they can be. But I'm saying when possible. Get women's into positions of leadership because men have had their crack and they've blown it. What? So let's see. Let's see how women do. What's that? Who's that uh, correspondent from the Daily Show? He goes to Trump rallies. 
Oh, J J uh, uh, Klep, Klepper, Klemperer, Klepper, Jason Klepper. Yeah, he's going to actually, he's going to be on our show. I should know his That's name. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. I, he went up to a woman one time at a Trump rally and asked, you know, should we have a female president? And uh, she said, no, no, they, you know, they, their hormones and stuff, they would start a war. Yeah. And then he said, but, but weren't all wars started by men? And she's like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, but again, no, no, I'm glad you said that because again, these are these are these are people who go with their sort of initial sort of um, observations of a situation, or they they fall back on old prejudices and 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 ideas that we've had outdated ideas we've had in the past about gender and race and so forth, and they're not encouraged to think it through, and what what um, what the host does there is. He just brings up all the contradictions that anybody studying philosophy or ethics would talk about. You know, a a student in a philosophy class would say, oh, women shouldn't be leaders. Women are too impulsive. They're too hormonal. they're They're not intellectual enough. They can't do it. You know, they would be so crazy they'd start a war. And somebody else in the philosophy class would say just what he said. Wait a minute. All wars were started by men. And there you would begin a discussion about how, in fact, Women aren't hormonal or irrational, but in fact are not only uh, uh, capable of thinking as clearly as men, they may very well be capable of thinking much better than men. But, you know, we have old bigots, bigotries and, and prejudices that, 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 that sway us. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and we'd be beyond that if we, if we were educated a bit better uh, from, a, from an early part in our, in our existence, and thus we'd have a citizenry that'd be better adept at dealing with all of the challenges we face. It's, it's really a very clear solution. Education is a huge part of, it, uh, of, of what we need. And I should mention, out of respect for the gentleman, because I don't want to, uh, you know, dissuade him from coming on the show uh it's jordan klepper that's the gentleman's name thank you Uh, thank you yeah i'm even even when i teach i don't emphasize names and dates too much it's nice if you can remember them but i i really i really push concepts so so hopefully i can be forgiven if i forget a name or a date it's the larger concepts that i try to that i try to encapsulate and i try to relate to my students because because names and dates are just, that's trivial information, and that's nice, but that's not the reason why I teach history. Now, let me say, we only have like a minute left. Let's, no, let's, no, yes, let's, I, I, I will not, no, I will not be silent. I will be forced to disconnect. <laughs> what, what? That's a little fascist. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit fascist. I'll, I'll yeah, right, it. right. It's your show. I know how that goes. So you want to, you want to uh, wrap it up with some, some really impressive uh, reflection for the listeners? I went out kayaking yesterday on Lake Nakamixon in southeastern Pennsylvania. And I floated around the lake, and it was a really hot day. And I went swimming, and I filmed some egrets doing their hunting at the water's edge. And um, I ate my lunch on a rock as the waves lapped up on the, on the shore. And uh, we came can't forget again this might <clears throat> this might be a reflection of my privilege it's so important to just stop because there's so much chatter out there it's so important to just unplug and disconnect um maybe one of the things that will come from this pandemic is people have discovered how to be quiet people have discovered how to be more contemplative and and maybe just unplug a little bit that's that's my hope i'm not really sure if that's something we're going to realize but maybe people will be a little more mindful, thoughtful, and kind. Maybe that's the big thing that comes out of this 
this adversity right now in this pandemic. Well said, brother. Surf William, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I uh, wish you the best with the chickens and uh, the family and everything else. Uh, hope to talk with you and see you soon. It's always an honor and a privilege, and uh, I'm thinking I'll see you in person soon, too. That'd be great. Cool. Ciao, fratello. Ciao. From the August 2020 edition of Harper's Magazine, 
This is called Worst Responders from a 2017 complaint filed by David and Gretchen Jessen against Fresno County and the city of Clovis, California for damages incurred during a police raid on their home. In June 2016, construction workers called the police after they witnessed a homeless man break into the Jensen's house. The Jensen's returned to find their home surrounded by law enforcement. The Jensen's argue that damage to their home was, quote, unreasonable and unjustified. In April, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of Fresno County and the city of Clovis. The Clovis Police Department and the Fresno County Sheriff's Office deployed the following. 55 vehicles, a K-9 unit, two helicopters, two ambulances, a fire truck, a crisis negotiation team in a motorhome, a SWAT team, a backup SWAT team, a robot. Law enforcement officers did the following to the Jensen's home. Broke six windows, ripped out the front door and an interior door, pulled an office wall off the foundation, used a flash bomb in the office, ripped off the door to the laundry room, used a flash bomb in the laundry room, tear-gassed the laundry room, tear-gassed the kitchen, tear-gassed the master bathroom, tear-gassed the guest bedroom, tear-gassed the office bathroom, tear-gassed the sewing room, destroyed more than 90 feet of fencing with a SWAT vehicle, shattered a sliding glass door for robot entry. The homeless man did the following broke a window, stole milk, an ice cream bar, and a half of a tomato. I was happy in the haze of a drunken Heaven knows I'm miserable now I was looking for a job And then I found a job And heaven knows I'm miserable now In my life Why do I give valuable time To people who don't care if I
need more. What could I get? Can I, can I get more? What could I have? What, what could I eat? Who is mine? The most divine. What could I get? Can I, can I have more? This quiet I cannot endure. Where's my screen? Let's go to the store. So vapid I dream. I need more. I feel poor. I fear there's no cure. What could I get? It's not cause I wouldn't not cause I shouldn't And you know done well Then it's not cause I couldn't It's simply because I'm the laziest gal in town If I find myself alone and forsaken It's simply because I'm the laziest gal in town extra money to burn Every little proposition I just turn it down Way down, yeah It's not cause I wouldn't It's not cause I shouldn't, honey and you know that it's not cause I couldn't It's simply because I'm the laziest The laziest girl in And there you have it, episode 381 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Surf William. I also would like to thank Harper's Magazine and these musical artists. Papi Ajua, Dion, Ella Fitzgerald, The Smiths, Nina Simone, Terence Blanchard, and of course Brantford Marsalis too. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to do our best with this time. Take care.